366, an innovative space for anyone involved in education, whether it be teacher, student, parent, or community member. Jennifer and Amanda, we're back with another great 366. Exciting. I know. Yay. Again, as per we have been doing all um, this season, season one, I'm bringing you friends of mine, friends who are uh, walking the walk with us and who are walking it, though, probably six steps ahead of me. And so I learn a lot from these folks and somebody that I um, got to know a couple years ago through Steamify primarily. Um, and then have subsequently learned a lot more about um, and been fascinated as to how he does what he does um, is our guest today. And it's David Phillips. So Thank you, Dr. David, Jeff. Welcome. Glad to be here. Glad to be part of it. This is yeah. exciting. Anytime I can talk about Steamify or um, give any shout out to what you do at Augusta University, I'm happy to help. Thank you. Thank you. And um, well, we want to learn not just about we're glad that you're supportive of Steamify and we want to know some of the tips and tricks and the way you do what you do in your classroom because man your students are on fire and so we just we just want to explore that with you before we get started with the questions though could you give our audience our listeners just kind of a, a, a touch as to who you are what motivates you and where you come from and what what what's happening now with you Absolutely. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Um, I'm a seventh grade science teacher at Greenbrier Middle School in Columbia County, and this is year 17 for me in the classroom, and primarily all that's been in the science classroom. And about half of that was just as a regular science teacher, and then about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, that breakthrough came where you, you finally discover what real STEM is. And when that happens, you can't go back, you can't unlearn it, you can't unsee it, you can't want to teach the old style uh, so that's kind of when my transformation happened uh, and i try to i like to think i have a unique approach to it um, what motivates me and what excites me really i get most excited during the planning part of what i do um, if i'm not getting excited about what i plan then students probably aren't going to be excited about learning it so as i sit here in front of my computer on weekends and pour hours into what we're doing uh, if i'm not just pouring those hours in because I can't wait for the students to come figure out what I have in store, then you got to change it. you got to keep them on their toes. You've got to keep them guessing. And really, you want them to have that engagement. Um, they want to be excited. It's science. How could you not teach science and be exciting, right? I mean, you know I'm a fan, and I know yeah. Jennifer's fan. And Amanda, what do you think? Wouldn't that have been great for you, learning science? Definitely. I mean, I love science to begin with, but I would have loved, you know, some fun, amazing ways to learn it, some different ways. Maybe more of my friends would have loved science, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and one of my big goals, um, it's good to see an all-female panel in front of me. One of my big passions is empowering the female students, because as an early middle school teacher, sixth grade, what I saw is that the female students dominate. Anything you ask them to do, they're so organized, they and even in science competitions, they're always the winners. They dominate. But I've taught eighth grade before. They start to disappear. And now I'm kind of in that middle zone, seventh grade, and I can actually see the transition to where these little sixth grade future engineers kind of taper off and evaporate. 
um, that's really my passion right now is figuring out how do you how do you keep that going? How do you keep that fire burning for them? Because let me tell you, the young girls are naturals at it. I mean, they're yeah. just as smart and just as capable. But um, how do we keep it going through adulthood? You know, how do we make them want to do this as a career? Yeah, gosh, I I wish I had the answer. Of course, you know, I'm on that journey with you. That's the whole point behind a STEM or a STEAM approach is to try to make that impact. Um, so I'm assuming that that's kind of, you know, why you do these design challenges, whether you bring them to a competition or not. Is that right? That's right. I do it in class. Um, I don't, I like to think that I don't teach life science. I think that I use life science to teach skills that we want them to have. I want them to be able to collaborate and communicate effectively. I want to be able to innovate. And if I can use life science to teach them how to innovate, uh, and then my big thing, my absolute biggest thing, females, males, is to teach them leadership skills. And I make it Ooh. explicit. We have leadership lessons. I have uh, a board in my room where they have five tiers of leadership that they can advance on and become yeah. those alpha leaders. So love that's, that. That's how I'm trying to do it. I love that. And you can really see that. Um, we see it when you bring them to Steamify, when we talk with your students, they exemplify all of those skills. Um, so let me ask you though, I know you take your kids, you give them opportunities to do challenges in class and other challenges. Why bring them to Steamify? So what are the differences for our listeners? There's probably a lot of folks that have never heard of Steamify. Um, tell us what captured you about that and why that particular event. Uh, well, it helps me practice what I preach. If I say I want you to be innovative and I want you to collaborate, I want you to do difficult things under pressure and do it well, I need to give you the opportunity to do it. And uh, What better way than to do it with um, simulated real life problems off campus at a university against other students uh, where they really feel the challenge and they can really test themselves. Um, so I was a fan from day one. From the first time I saw the events and the competition posted, I thought this is something I can get them into. Uh, and I think they'll really respond well. So when you bring your students to all of these different competitions, Steamify, what have you, anything else, how do you find funding for your students? I mean, does your district just give you some sort of blank check or how do you find that money? We don't need money. That's the, the beauty of it. Uh, if I want them to be able to innovate, part of that is creativity, fostering that creative part of their mind. So um, my slogan, my trademark I use in class is I want you to do more with less. I don't want you, I don't want to give you all the materials you need. I want to give you a bag of junk and you figure out how to make it work because that's the, uh, that's the innovative approach that we need to be able to teach. So for funding like Steamify, uh, the fees $30. If each member contributes, they can pay for it. If not, my school has been good enough to pay the entry fee, but for the projects themselves, it's just consumables. Uh, we make it work. But yeah, that's that's what I try more with less. Yeah, I love that. And and so then you see, I guess what I'm hearing from you is that all students can participate. So money isn't a factor. We take that factor out. Yeah, and you know, I also tell them, I don't even care if you think you're smart or not smart. I never make that a requirement. Here's what I want. I want you to be motivated. I want you to be able to want to do this. If you want to challenge yourself and if you want to create something and you want to compete, then there's a spot for you. It doesn't matter if it's Steamify, um, doesn't matter the category. Last year, I brought two girls for the art 
uh, the um, the visual art part of the competition. I was so excited. I couldn't help them as much, but still, they wanted to do it. They always have a spot on our team if they do. Yeah. And then, so with Steamify, you have, um, for each individual competition, you have to design a solution to each individual problem. When you're watching students from all of those different competitions, like you said, you had visual arts, and I'm sure you had um, some rocketry, I think we were mentioning right before this, but what are the most important outcomes that you observe students um, as they are trying to design their solutions? Um, for me, there's one important outcome, and that, that it's student-generated, that it's their, whatever they create, it's theirs. And I found that as I do that in class, one thing people don't believe until they actually do it is some of the students who struggle the most with that is your advanced and gifted students um, because they have to have their own solution. And here's the thing. There's no answer key. There's no right answer. There's your answer. And if it's not good enough, you have to be able to deal with that. And how are you going to deal with your answer not being good enough when your whole life you've been the best of the best and then this other kid just outdid you? So <laughs> that part of the challenge uh, is really entertaining for me and just watching them grow as a learner. Oh my gosh, preach that. I love it. I just right. over here going, yes. I'm laughing so hard because I own one of those gifted kids that you're talking about that need the right answer right now. First attempt. He unfortunately doesn't have a lot of room, you know, wiggle room in there that if he doesn't know how to do it, it really bothers him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm over here kind of giggling because I I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. I have I one that lives in my house. <laughs> yeah, I tell them all the time, the first day of school and they can't believe it, I said, I want you to fail. And the gasp, what? I want you to fail and yeah. figure out that it's okay, but you only fail when you stop. You got to keep right. going. You got to keep getting better. Um, and that whole part about your solution is yours and it better be right. If you're working for NASA and you're designing a rocket, better be sure you're right because there's no right answer it's just yours and there's a lot on the line absolutely absolutely so i want to move back to steamify a little bit and can you tell us and tell our listeners how you incorporate steamify into your classroom it was easy the first year we had a something called an arts class where we, it was called applied research and problem solving so i had a period where i could um use all the content areas together to do that. Now it's a little bit more of a challenge. I have to rely on my co-teachers to help. Um, we have to plan and design activities where I may have an engineering challenge in science, but what's the math involved? And if I'm really good in creative, what's the history in language arts and art part that I can incorporate into this whole product, this big thing they do? Um, and that to me is kind of the basis of what STEM and STEAM is. It's this integrated approach to you're getting the big picture that learning is not isolated subjects. Um, learning is all facets of life and all subject areas. Sure, sure. So since you're the student's coach, like you mentioned, you brought uh, two girls in visual arts. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Last year. So where did they kind of fit into this? Um, how did you work with their teachers to make them successful? Uh, I'd ask them what their standards were, and I'd let them go to those teachers pick their brain about the components. Um, there was a history component to it. Of course, it was art, but we kind of approached it from um, 
but actually, you know, when you talk to other teachers and you get the students involved, it's kind of easy. Because when you're all three and four teachers being creative for a common goal, it's not that hard. Is that a secret? Did I just let that out? <laughs> it's really I not that hard that. if you're excited about it and creative. Yeah, but David, we don't do that as teachers a lot, do we? Why no, is that? Why? Why? Tell me, what is the what is the thing? What is it? Why don't we? Uh, because you can do a whole lot less work and get paid the same amount of money. You don't have to. I'm going to get my salary regardless of if I do STEAM or if I give you the textbook and tell you to copy it. That's just my honest opinion about why we don't, because we don't have to. Until you get those teachers who, like I said, have tasted what it means to be a STEAM teacher and the excitement that you get every day seeing the students grow. Um, those teachers, they can't go back. But um, even if you are one of those teachers, if you're not surrounded by teachers like that, it can be really frustrating. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about, do you guys have time to collaborate? When do you do that? Um, we carve out, we have a planning period, of course, but we dedicate two days a week to just protected planning. And actually, um, I'm of the opinion that that's some of the most beneficial professional development you can get is sitting with other teachers and just coming up with ideas and especially how to integrate curriculum. That's really where what you're teaching makes sense and um, get a real picture of the real world and how this all applies. But yeah, you have to have planning time. Yeah, for sure. So that's good to hear that. I mean, obviously you have your planning time, but then you make a point um, to have collaborative planning time a couple times a week as well. Yes, very important. We've talked about that with some other of our guests, um, how important collaboration among teachers are. Yeah, so, actually, kind of, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It actually becomes where we we plan together at school, but when it's just me creating what I want to create, my own little bubble and little world, sometimes you have to do that on the weekends. You have to go in on Saturdays and just spend the whole day wrapping your mind around it. But, um, but you know, if you're passionate about something, you don't count the hours. It takes what it takes, and, you know, you, you get the job done, and you make a difference. Yeah, and honestly, when the kids get it, I don't, it, or students in general, when my college level teachers get it, it leaves me breathless. Honestly, I just, doesn't it do that for you? I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but truly it leaves me breathless. It's a light that when it comes on, you can't turn it off. No, right? I agree. Yeah, you yeah. can't go back. Yeah. There's no going back yeah, for was, sure. Uh, I was a very comfortable 12 year veteran 10, 12 year veteran. And I mean, I was committed to doing things the same way because it worked. And then I discovered this and I was immediately willing to take everything I had and throw in the trash and start over. You know, and, didn't matter anymore because there was a better way. What was that spark? What did, did you take guesses class? Did you, what was that spark wish, that led no, you? I didn't, but I wish I had. Uh, there was a, a guest speaker who came into our county um, and he was all about problem based instruction. Uh, and that's kind of in the same ballpark as STEM and STEAM. But he was showing us, and I wasn't ever a huge fan in my classroom of language arts, but when he showed me how to do it right, how teaching language arts and science together could enhance both subjects, I was thinking, why don't we do this? This is so obvious. Sure, very interesting. So it's not, guesses our our light here in the Augusta area, but it's definitely something that has been around uh, for a while now. And there's a lot of research out there about it, um, for sure. 
So let's talk about Steamify a little more specifically and how it's rooted in our state standards. Very much so. All of our challenges, you know, are correlated to state standards for our students. How do you, as an educator, show students or allow them to understand how those standards are being used in our competition? And how do you prompt, um, because your students then have to come to the competition and talk about it. How do you make them comfortable with talking about those standards? Um, I guess it's because from day one, like I said, I'm using the standards, I'm not teaching the standards, I'm using the standards to teach what I want to teach, to teach those skills and, and those things that are just naturally exciting for students, being competitive and creating things. Uh, if you start out early and build that foundation, then they never really have to think about how to incorporate the standards into the thing because the thing always has the standards in it. So when I do engineering projects, it's not, okay, here's engineering day. We're going to take scissors and glue and straws and tape and make a bridge. There's so much more to it. Usually when we do our projects, if it's a five-day thing, it's day three before they actually touch anything. The first yeah. few days are um, asking questions, imagining solutions, planning with your team, and then finally you actually get to create a prototype. Yeah. But then to follow up on what you said a minute ago, um, the thing with STEM and STEAM that's out there, there's a lot out there, but there's a lot out there that's no good. There's a lot out there. I mean, you can put STEAM and STEM on anything that used to be just called science. Ooh. And it's such a buzzword if you're not doing it right that they'll throw money at it. But really authentic STEM and STEAM education, um, got to have that integrated component. Yeah, and what you've said several times is you talked about the students imagining and creative and sounds to me like you're just really embedding them in this process of learning rather than outcome of learning. Can you talk about that at all? Right. Um, I don't shy away at all that when I tell them that I don't think my content is the most important thing I'm going to teach them this year. By far, it's not. Um, but you're right. It's just engrossing them in the process of collaboration and discovery and doing difficult things and learning mm. how to respond when stuff doesn't go your way. One of the biggest things I ever fell into by accident was leadership training in my class. Mm. Um, I noticed that when I had that class, that extra class I talked about, the arts class, we would do a lot of engineering challenges and I would have lead engineers, as I called them, give them opportunities to lead and teach them how to lead and how to solve problems. And then when those same students showed up in my regular science class, and we would come up with these science, but these life science based engineering problems. I noticed there's some students who really stand out mm. way above the rest. And they mm -hmm. weren't gifted students. They were just regular students and they were they would dominate teams. They would dominate the competition. They were so confident. Yeah. And I realized, oh, wait, that's the students who have this experience leading and yeah. they're not afraid to face a challenge. They yeah. failed before and they know how to respond. That's right. They don't give up. Yeah, it's that design process, I think, that mm -hmm. I preach so much. It's really sounds like you're leveraging that. Um, I do want to tack a little bit um, here. What our listeners probably don't know about you is that first year you brought your teams to Steamify, you guys won the whole thing, and it was you were the, um, you know, grand, the, the grand winners. And right. then what happened was there was this crazy thing. I was going to Hong Kong to work as a judge for a competition there 
And the Hong Kong folks were interested in getting uh, American teams to come. And you brought your team to Hong Kong. And you guys won second place of that whole gig, which was amazing. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. But here, here's the thing, David. It's expensive to go to Hong Kong. Uh, how did you work that out? Because you, you can't do that on a, a two-liter bottle. That's right. Um, that was a major effort. Well, first, we had to have buy-in and participation, not from the students, but from their entire families. Um, and their entire families helped. The university in China helped a lot, but also we had to reach out to grandma, grandpa, a little bit of fundraising. Um, uh -huh. The school wasn't able to fund any of it. Ah, so that um, the school didn't fund any? No, not a bit. Okay. Tell me about how you got some of that funding. Well, there's a lot of, when you start talking about money, in public schools, there's a lot of rules and regulation and red tape, and there's a lot of things the parents had to do on their own. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, some of them didn't have all the money, so mm -hmm. they had to go, like I said, to their immediate family. Mm -hmm. They knew that the opportunity was so great, they had to make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, now, what we weren't in the situation of is a student who said, I just can't go because I don't have the money. Now, mm -hmm. if that would have been the case, then um, the other teacher and I, we would have found a way to make it happen. Right. But didn't you also have a, a community sponsor? We did. We had a community sponsor. Um, they contributed about $5,000 to our general travel fund. Mm -hmm. uh, Lingnan University contributed about $10,000. Mm -hmm. So that, and that really helped pave the way to get us there. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's what I wanted people to hear is that, you know, schools may not be going to be able to supply everything, right? But it takes innovation and ingenuity. Families may not be able to supply everything, but there's a community there that surrounds good teaching and deep learning. Yeah, I'm glad you said something about that. That's one of the other really important components of STEM and STEAM. If you really want to do it well, you need business partners, you need community involvement. Just think about if a business were to come into a school and treat it as their minor leagues. Go ahead and middle school and elementary school, start training these students to do what you want them to do as engineers and as professionals. I mean, you could really cultivate some amazing employees one day. Um, I don't know, there's so many local community sponsors who help. I know with Steamify and just Columbia County Schools in general, um, it's so critical. Not only do they give us funding when they can, I think what's more important is they give us problems to solve. We've had some businesses who come in and said, look, here's what we're trying to tackle right now. You see what you can do with it. And some of the students actually come up with great solutions to their own problem. Some of these problems that a business faces today. Yeah, and why not ask the students? So I love what you're saying to me because let me just take the opportunity here to be Dr. Gus, but um, Geneva Gay, when she's talking about culturally responsive or culturally relevant teaching, there's a whole component, socio-political component to this that you're addressing here. This is getting the, teach getting the students in an, in an intentional and explicit way to apply what they're learning to something real in their world. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The power of that is amazing. So Right. Um, you know, putting together toothpicks and straws and making a building is okay, 
but if you can work with Textron and create a, the next generation of golf cart, or two years ago, we created the next generation of student desk. Seems like yeah. a simple enough task, but in Steamify, I mean, there are actually some very innovative and complex solutions to what seemed to be a simple problem. Yeah, and boy, I bet you students wish they had that desk now with COVID. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they sure do. You know, seriously, who would have ever predicted? Well, think about all the innovation that's happened in the past six months because yeah. we, we had to. And that's what we're trying to prepare these students to do. It doesn't matter the situation. You've got to be ready to face it however it needs to be faced. Exactly. And the students have to be willing and ready to pivot. They can't just be on one track all the time. Yeah, here, here's a, big, a good example. My kids are in Hong Kong. We planned the whole time for a five-minute <laughs> five demonstration to the judges who were going to speak English. Well, they didn't speak English. And second, we found out as they were walking towards us, it's three minutes. And you tell <laughs> me a child, <laughs> a child who makes it to the other end of that successfully is a child that can take on anything, no matter what the situation in life. And they did it and they rocked and they came home with a bunch of hardware. Yeah, it was awesome. I remember oh. that though, because they were all like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I was wondering if it was a setup, Dr. Guess. I didn't know what no. you did for us. <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> That was great, though. It really, it really was good. So um, I have a follow-up, yeah. Dr. Guest, if you yeah. don't mind. Um, so, Mr. Phillips, can you give our listeners those teachers that are in the first five years? Because I know there's a lot of research out there. You know, if you make it through the first five years, your longevity of being a teacher um, or your chances of being a teacher for a career increase. Those teachers out there that are in their first or second year and they are literally treading water with just their nose, breathing, especially now in COVID. Forget your first year when you're in person and it's normal, quote unquote normal. Now they're they're almost drowning. What do you say to them about stopping everything they're doing to essentially make this integrative approach in their classroom and why in the world that should happen? Um, gosh, I wish when I came out of college that this was in front of me. I mean, really, because in my opinion, the way you learn to teach in college um, lends really well to STEAM education because you get to be creative. The students are engaged. Um, so many of us, the first few years, it's such a difficult job, such a difficult career to get used to. You might fall back into easy solutions to some of your problems. Um, you just got to go for it. You've got to find a mentor around your building that you trust, that works well with you, that helps you. Um, boy, these new teachers need a lot of help. A lot of good help. And it, it doesn't mean you're not any good if you need help. Everyone needs help. I'm in year 17. I need help. Uh, every day, the reason I get better, the reason I think I'm good is because I'm learning from the teachers around me every day. Um, my philosophy, yeah, I've been in, this is my fifth school in about 17 years. I've been in three counties and two states, so I've had to start over a lot. So I've kind of experienced that new teacher thing more often than most. Uh, take all the new situations and the way I kind of approach it is, I call it um, baseline better and best. First year I'm into something in the first two years, it's my baseline. You've got to just do what you know how to do. But then once you start getting comfortable, get better. 
not just in the things that you didn't do well and the things you did do well, get better at everything. And then eventually, once you get past that phase, I call it better than you. Baseline, better, better than you. Look around at all the other teachers around you. Who are the best teachers in your building? How can you be better than them? Just think if everyone had that mindset, that growth mindset that we're always trying to get better and get better and learn. Um, that's how I think I would approach it is, you know, start out with what you know how to do. Don't get discouraged, but then you're just always getting better and growing. David, I want to thank you so much for chatting with us today, for, you know, giving our listeners so much advice, especially surrounding STEM and STEAM education. Um, you know, is there anything that we missed today? Is there any last piece of advice that you want to give our listeners? Uh, if it's a teacher listening, my advice is go to the Steamify website and sign up. The kids will benefit. The kids will be better. You will be better. You have to do it. Don't be afraid. If you're afraid, who's afraid of growth? Everyone's going to grow. You're going to grow. Your students are going to grow. Um, and I'd also like to say just to Augusta University, thank you. You talked about culturally responsive education. What this, what the university does for the surrounding area and what Steamify does is really something that I can't provide in my class alone. I couldn't provide this massive competitive environment that they need to do everything I want them to do. So Augusta University, thank you. Um, it's really making a difference, I believe. David, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll be there, no doubt. I'm going to go check the website now, or if it's not ready, I'll check it later tonight. Steamify. Awesome. And it's only $10 this year, by the way, just so you know, because you're not coming to campus. That's right. Well, we'll see you in the digital world then, I guess. <laughs> thanks, David. All right, thanks, Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast this week. And make sure to tune in next week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major listening platforms. For a podcast schedule, just Google Augusta University, room 366. We also want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors, the South Carolina After School Alliance and Steamify. Without them, none of this would be possible. See you next time.